entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Friends. Yeah, they- Totally corrupt attorney general. She campaigned on the fact that I will get Trump, I will get Trump. Everybody's seen it. Leticia James. They've all seen it. Well, we'll be appealing. But more important than that, this is Russia. This is China. This is the same game. All comes out of the DOJ. It all comes out of Biden. It's a witch hunt against his political opponent, the likes of which our country has never seen before. You see it in third world countries, banana republics, but you don't see it here. Day to 45 and soon to be 47, Donald J. Trump, who <laughs> grabbed the phone from Andrew Giuliani on the golf course on Friday and spent about five minutes on the phone with me that was surreal and fun. And the president and I discussed an awful lot of stuff last Friday. I'll be seeing the president down in Mar-a-Lago in a couple of weeks for Scott Lobato's movie, The Relentless Patriot. And uh, I celebrate Donald Trump today on this President's Day. Just a reminder, because Brian Kilmeade's on vacation this week, I'm going five hours. I'm a beast. I'm like Trump. Trump and Sid, same guy. I'm a beast. Five hours of the best morning show anywhere in the country. I'm on till 11 today and the rest of the week. And don't forget, coming up at 8.20 p.m. later on tonight, I'll be a guest on Mark Levin's great radio show, Levin Great TV show last night. Had David Friedman on. That was great. So you can check me out later on tonight at 8.20 on this station with Mark Levin. But we put this time aside every Monday morning for a guy that you guys love. I love him. And the fans and the guests and the, uh, I should say, the listeners really love him. He's got his own great show, The War Room, which he's doing today. And, of course, again, here every Monday, the great Steve Bannon. Steve, good morning, buddy. How are you? Uh, morning, Sid. Thank you so much for having me on on, on President's Day. Um, because you know uh, Donald Trump is only the third, like General Washington and uh, Abraham Lincoln. He is only the third individual in this country whose personal fate and destiny is inextricably linked to the fate and destiny of this republic. And so that's why I think it's great on President's Day you're uh, honoring and celebrating and commemorating uh, not just uh, General Washington and Abraham Lincoln, but also uh, President Trump. I am. And, you know, before Trump won in uh, 2016, 
Remember, relatively young guy. If God is good to me, Steve, I'll be 57 in April. But before he won, when I was asked a question about the best president in my lifetime, it really wasn't difficult. It was Reagan. I mean, it was easy, actually, because I'm old enough to remember. I was 12, but I remember 1979. I remember the gas lines, my father waiting for three hours for gas in Brooklyn, I remember the hostages in Iran when Ted Koppel and Nightline was born. I remember boycotting the Olympics. And then I remember Reagan. You know, we beat the Russians in hockey. The hostages got out. It was just, it really was morning in America. And I compare what could happen now. Carter to Reagan will feel a lot like Biden to Trump when our guy wins in November. But it was always, always Ronald Reagan. For you, if I put Trump aside, Steve Bannon, your favorite president of all time? Well, the favorite president of all time to me has got to be Lincoln, but uh, President Reagan's a, a close second. Um, you know, I, for years I was the official filmmaker out at the Reagan Ranch. I did a number of films on President Reagan. I was a naval officer actually coming off of uh, duty in the Pacific Fleet on my destroyer and showed up to, at the Pentagon to be a uh, aide to the Chief of Naval Operations on the day Reagan was inaugurated. And I can tell you, that the sea change that hit Washington, D.C., hit our military uh, with just the enthusiasm, the focus, the energy, the urgency, because, you know, I'd been in the Pacific Fleet and my ASW submarine was, was the, our thing was to keep Soviet fast attack submarines away from carrier battle groups. Uh, President Reagan came in and he said something very simple. We win, they lose. No more rapprochement, no more detente. No more of the crap that we got from uh, from the Democrats and even some of the Reagan administration and Carter uh, in the years leading up to it. He took on stagflation with Volcker uh, and he took on the evil empire and brought down uh, the, the Bolsheviks and the Soviet Union. And so uh, that's why he's he's always in the pantheon of uh, of great presidents. But unlike even President Reagan, as great as he was, he never faced what President Trump's facing, because President Trump is facing something quite different, where you're actually taking on an administrative state and deep state that's as much a threat to the American people as our greatest enemies, the Chinese Communist Party. And what we saw here in New York, Steve, on Friday was just sad. No other way to put it. Really, I mean, it was pathetic, and you could use a whole bunch of adjectives, but just sad to to find uh, President Trump uh, when he made money for this city, when everybody involved in what Letitia James called illegal practice made money, there were no victims between him and his sons to find them upwards of $362 million. I really believe that was one of the more pathetic days in the history of our country. Very, very sad. I think it's one of the, in addition to being sad, I think it's dangerous. I think what we saw here, uh, Sid, was uh, the Moscow show trials in the 1930s. As bad as the Nazi judge, uh, judges were, and they were awful, what, what Stalin and the Bolsheviks did in the 1930s was what you saw happen. And, and remember, New York's just not the financial capital of the United States of America. New York City is the financial capital of the globe. It is, I think, the most important city in the world. And to see the rule of law turning now to the reign of outlaws, because that's what they are. They're, they are outlaws. What they did to President Trump, is dangerous. It's dangerous to every business person in this country. They, they took a man's business. And by the way, the, what President Trump, as you know, said, being a resident there and understanding business, this is the normal course of business that happens every day in New York City. When you talk about lending against not just real estate assets, but lending to companies, the banks were upfront. They performed their own due diligence. 
They had their own experts. They did their own evaluations, their own valuations. They took from President Trump as, as you take. I was at Goldman Sachs for years. You take what the company gives you and you do your own analysis. There was no defaults. There was no late loans. They, every loan was paid off. The banks made exactly what the banks said they should make because they set the loan terms, not President Trump. This was theft. And every, I got to tell you, the, the exodus you're seeing from New York, New York State with people leaving from places like Florida and Texas and other places in the South, South Carolina, if you see the, the great uh, immigration that's happening now intrastate, you're going to see a flood of, I think, significant major businesses start to leave New York City because if Tish James and her group of outlaws can do that, the president, Donald J. Trump, a billionaire, a multi-billionaire, they can do it to anybody, and they will do it to anybody. That's going to come. This is like they run like the Bolsheviks ran Russia in the 1930s. It's their property, not yours. And I tell you, it's a sad day. It's a tragic day. But more importantly, it's a dangerous day. I think you nailed it. You really did. And, and by the way, to your point, Steve, a lot of millionaires have already left New York. Maybe not the billionaires yet or the multi-multi-multi-millionaires, but a bunch of very, very wealthy folks. And we need their money here for taxes. They're, uh, they're out of here. They're gone even before this. So, look, I know, for example, that the Governor Hochul, right, she can fire this douchebag DA Alvin Bragg, this racist, anytime she wants, you know, but she's she's full of crap. We know that. Um, Letitia James, who can fire her? What are the repercussions? I mean, if Trump goes on and wins the presidency in November, <laughs> how do we make sure that Letitia James is removed from office? Because, again, we've got on tape, it would be one thing if you and I said, ah, we really think it's politically motivated. We got on tape her saying, I'm going to get this guy, and then this happens. How do we get rid of her? Well, I think that was her campaign. I mean, she ran on getting Trump. I think what you have to do is President Trump looks at the criminal date set for the trial. That's going to be a global media circus like you've never seen before. It's by far, even on the far left, it's the one they want to bring least because it's the shakiest, and they got the, the weakest uh, prosecutorial team okay, vis-a-vis what else they have up their sleeves. Because remember, this lawfare, they've got Trump scheduled for 600 years in prison. Let me repeat that, 600 <laughs> years in prison. This is how much, no, but this is how much they hate your audience. Yeah. This is how much they hate the war room audience. Because President Trump, not if you're in D.C., not in the room, not in the deal. And President Trump not just puts this audience in the room, he puts you at the head of the table. That's why they hate him. They hate him and they have to destroy him because they do not want a populist uprising in this country. What they're seeing, you're seeing it at the RNC, you're seeing it in Congress, you're seeing it across the board as President Trump rises in the polls and his movement. You saw it on Saturday, he went to SneakerCon. He's doing and was and was greeted. There were some boos, but there were two thirds more applause. And he's doing cultural things now that connect with young people, that connect with minority communities. Uh, MAGA is only rising and they're in panic mode and they will pull it. Like I said. We don't have the rule of law in New York City or in this country. You have the reign of outlaws, and Letitia, and Letitia James is an outlaw. So I think he's got to power through uh, this uh, criminal uh, this criminal trial in in March, April, and May, uh, and then we got to drive to victory, and we got to see what, how he deals with it post uh, post a massive landslide win. The focus now is to get that win.
Right. So I want to get to all that and what's going on in Israel and Ukraine and all that uh, after we take a quick break. But just to wrap up the whole thing with New York, it seems to me, Stephen, look, there's no question I'm in the bag. I'm in the bag for Trump. I love him. I'm biased. I'm all those things. I don't care. <laughs> but when I look at uh, all these cases, and I do talk to people like Joe Tacopina and Arthur Idala and Alan Dershowitz and all these big-time attorneys, it seems like a lot of it is unraveling. Now, I know he's going to trial, but he's got the appeal coming up with this ridiculous petition. James case, but the document case, I mean, we just saw what happened with uh, Joe Biden just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, then, of course, you've got the Georgia case, this Fannie Willis, this uh, the harlot, this repulsive lowlife out of Georgia. It just seems like almost every case they went after a friend with, there's something else going on that is unsavory for somebody else. I agree with you. I think the lawfare is collapsing even as we speak. It doesn't mean they're not going to come in full force and the media is going to pile on top. So we got to fight in front of us. But you're right. Well, first off, they're all nonsense in the first place, all BS. Every charge against him, the business charge, all this stuff, we're trying to take him off the, the battle with the 14th Amendment, uh, all of these, quasi, you know, these so-called criminal charges, the BS in, in D.C. where they won't even have the guts because they can't prove, and they know he's not an insurrectionist. It's all nonsense, and it is collapsing around him. It doesn't mean, given that they've got Biden – they don't have a candidate. Their policies are terrible. Uh, the world's collapsing around them. Uh, that doesn't mean that they're not going to pull out every possible stop, stop to, to basically make sure President Trump doesn't win. That's the, that's the fight we have in front of us. They're going to pull out every trick in the book. You just watch. You can't trust these. Look, the only way the Democrats can defeat Donald J. Trump is to steal the election like yep. they did in 2020. Agreed. So we got to be we got to steal ourselves because the next six months, eight months could be the toughest eight months in American political history. I want to get to that. That's a great line. And I think you're exactly right. We're going to find out exactly what Steve Bannon means when he says the toughest six to eight months in American history. Folks, that's a very, very big statement. And if Steve Bannon makes it, he means it. And if he means it, he's probably right. More with the great Steve Bannon right after this. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC.
are the times to remember the great Billy Joel as we start our number four today. Today we're going uh, five hours till 11 o'clock, in fact, all week long. So Steve Bannon, the great Steve Bannon, on every Monday, check his show out, War Room. That is a phenomenal show. I was a guest a couple of weeks ago. Can't wait to go back on War Room. Steve Bannon says to me right before we broke about four minutes ago, these next six to eight months may be the most difficult in history. Steve, that's a, a great cliffhanger, as we say in radio, a great tease. Tell me specifically what you mean by that. Well, this nation's never had. We have 10 million, 10 million illegal alien invaders in the country and getting worse every day. Look at great New York City. Just go to Times Square. Look at what's happening in, in midtown Manhattan. That's throughout the country. So, number one, you have an invasion just under Biden's watch of 10 million illegal alien invaders, and they're coming in droves even as we speak, number one. Number two, you have a financial crisis of unparalleled uh, severity in American history. We have $34.5 trillion of debt right now, and we're adding $2 trillion a year in deficits. As far as I can see, that's not Steve Bannon saying it's the Congressional Budget Office in perpetuity right now. Number three, you have the beginning stages of the kinetic Third World War. From the South China Sea uh, to uh, to Gaza, to the Red Sea, to, to the eastern uh, Russian-speaking border of Ukraine, you have the kinetic part of the Third World War has already started. And you have a feckless, hapless, uh, part dementia uh, commander-in-chief who a, a federal document says is too uh, mentally uh, handicapped to stand trial uh, on classified documents but can be commander-in-chief. So if people don't think that, then you have an administrative state that is bound and determined, a deep state's bound and determined that President Trump's not going to return to the White House. So this next eight months, nine months, you show me any time in American history, or particularly modern American history, that has the types of dangers in front of us. This is fraught with danger, and every day is going to be a new challenge. You know, it's funny. You said uh, there's no way Trump loses in November, and I agree with you, unless they steal it again. And I think uh, you heard me tell this story that Friday I got a call from Andrew Giuliani on the golf course with the president. And Andrew said, hold on, someone wants to say hello to you. And President Trump hopped on the phone. And uh, he and I had a great five-minute conversation. He could not have been uh, better. He was in a great mood. He knew full well in about an hour he was going to get the hammer from Judge Engeron here in New York. He didn't care. He's out there. He's having a great time. But he also mentioned the possibility of what you just talked about. What do you think they would do this time? Uh, we know what they did last time on a, on a bunch of fronts. What do you think the Democrats would do this time to ensure he doesn't win the election? Well, let's look at New York State. Look, given the fact that it was not a great candidate, it was an anti-MAGA, anti-Trump candidate that the Nassau County uh, executive decided to run for, for Congress. The mail-in ballots and the uns, uh, unverified signatures and the way they can ballot harvest in that district guaranteed a victory. In, in New York State, remember, they've passed state law on September – I think it's September 20th of this year. The, 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 the person that controls all elections in New York State, and I think even federal elections, is Tish James. That's because Albany passed a new state law. You know, Stefanik's staff has been fighting this. The courts are totally corrupt in New York. You've totally corrupted the election system. We're going to have a very tough time holding those congressional seats. Because the Democrats have perfected, perfected the model of how to steal elections with mail-in ballots, these voter rolls that are uh, absolutely uh, tainted, and the ability to harvest ballots. Remember, in the United States, there's just two uh, deep verticals where Democrats get votes, university towns, 
like Ann Arbor, Madison, Austin, right. Texas, yep. right? And then these major urban areas. Those two, they've perfected mail-in ballots, uh, you know, changing your registration on the same day, and the ability to to do uh, ballot harvesting. Well, let me ask you this. Well, that's, that's, that's how they're going to steal it. Demo- but, but, Democrats cannot win national elections unless they steal. I agree, but, but let me ask you this, and I know that uh, the common answer is, well, we don't want to be like them. I don't want to hear that. I know they're scumbags, and we don't want to be like them. But in the end, we want to win. So why can't we ballot harvest, too? Well, I think this is why this week you're seeing a change at the RNC. I think this is why Ron McDaniel is gone. I think this is why Chris LaSavita is going there, and Lara Trump's going to be one of the people that uh, that run it. And Watley from North Carolina is an election integrity specialist. I think people finally realize that we got to wake up, and we got to start. We got to start punching as hard as they punch. And because, well, first off, we have to have the legal people there to stop this. You got to get to these voter rolls. You got to clean them up. You got to get back to the signature verification. Things that are around the country right now. In courts, but this is why you're having a total change at the RNC. That President Trump, it, all the burden can't be on his shoulders, as you know, Sid. Yeah, he's got he's got the world on his shoulders. They're trying to put him in jail for 600 years. They're trying <laughs> to take his business and bankrupting. They're trying to take him off the ballot in 31 states. He's and he's also got solutions for Ukraine, for Israel, for the economy. I mean, he's thinking of policy. He's campaigning. He's going to sneaker con, then to Michigan to. The guy's on the move 24-7. He's got to, we need to step up here, and I think that's why they're cleaning the house at the RNC, because now you've got some real fighters in there. They're saying, hey, we're not going to allow Mark Elias and these folks to steal any more elections. I love his daughter-in-law, Lara. She's on with me every two weeks. In fact, she was just on Friday, and uh, to be the co-chair there with Watley, one on the show, I think is a great move. Final 60 seconds as you get ready for your great show, War Room, coming up today. South Carolina is uh, finally here on Saturday. I'm sick and tired of hearing Nikki Haley. I'm sick of watching her. All these networks, even Fox, they put her on TV like she's a great get. She's a loser. She's about to lose by 35 points, this idiot. Maybe then she'll be gone. I don't know. Maybe she'll stick around till Super Tuesday. Maybe she'll never go away, damn it. Tell me, will she go away after Saturday? Please tell me yes. She's not going going away. In fact, she's only going to raise more money. She's going to stick around the entire time. Because her entire, she said on the, she Fox did a town hall with her last night. A town hall, I know, thirty points. A town hall. The the the, the anti-Trump donor class are going to use her as a vehicle number one to keep hammering Trump. She even said the other day she doesn't know if she's going to vote for him or not. She is the epitome of the. She's no different than a centrist Democrat. She's not MAGA. She's not Trump. She's not even a Republican. She's going to stick around for a long time because she's got money. Ugh. Who's uh, on the war room today? Uh, we got Mike Benz talking about he had this great interview with Tucker. I know Mike well. Yep. We talked about the administrative state and the deep state and how they're going to try to rig this election. Uh, we're going to get to the bottom of all of it today. Bannon, I love you. You're a great, great, great Monday guest and uh, a terrific friend. And, again, thank you very much. Happy President's Day. We'll all be watching the War Room later. Do it again next week. Thank you, pal. Thank you, sir. Love the show. Love the audience. Thank you, sir. Uh, we love you, too. That's uh, the great Steve Bannon. That's my man right there. I love that. In War Room, folks, check that out.